You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. First of all, happy Merry Christmas Eve. Not sure what everybody's up to, but I figure some of you guys probably still got to work. Some of you got travel plans. Some of you aren't celebrating. So, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be a smaller, more intimate crowd today, and I'm fine with that. But we're just, it's nothing special, nothing fancy. Um, I can't do anything fancy because I started a two-part series yesterday. So guess what we're doing today? Part two. I contemplated not doing it and doing something else, but it's like, nope, for once. You're going to stick to one of your stupid little little part twos, and uh, we're going we're gonna to power through it. Plus, we got to do the NFC, which is infinitely more interesting. What, what a waste yesterday would have been if we just talked about the AFC and then never talked about the NFC. So that's what we're going to do. Humbity dum what else? I don't think there's anything else, man. I think we're, uh, I'm just, I'm ready to rock and roll. I, I really, I've been up for a very long time. Because I have a lot of YouTube stuff to do, and it really, it should have taken almost no time whatsoever. But, my computer is not necessarily built to do the things I need it to do, i.e. run After Effects. Which is a program that creates fun little videos. If you've watched my draft videos, when I announce the pick, there's this, uh, you know, there's like a video that pops up of the prospect or whatever. It's kind of cool. And sometimes it works fine, sometimes you get it to work once, and it just bogs down the whole computer. So you know, literally like one prospect took a half hour minimum. So I did about five of them and I've been sitting here just waiting. So getting a late start, I'm pretty exhausted. Yes, exhausted just sitting here, but it just mentally drained, tired. So I really just, I want to just do this and just power through it. So anything else that may have needed to be said, we're going to skip it. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy so I can get a better computer. Thank you very much. I know, I just bought a laptop. That was a separate thing. That's so that when I go somewhere else, I can still do a, a podcast. This is strictly YouTube, which you don't care about, but, you know, it's a thing. Let us start off with the Chicago Bears. Um, I don't think the Bears make it, just based on, you know, what I think is going to happen the next couple weeks. But there is a chance. If somebody's going to sneak in, like I said, the AFC, I actually think the Ravens are going to sneak in. I think, although if the season ended today, it's Miami that's in the playoffs and not the Ravens, I think it's actually more likely that it's Ravens and not Miami, simply based on the fact that Miami has to beat the Rams, which I don't expect to happen, although obviously it can. Or no, it's the Bills. The Bills, yes. Not the Rams. I was going to say, I don't know about that anymore, but no, it's the Bills, and I don't expect them to beat the Bills. And the Ravens got a couple layups. Not that that means anything. But anyways, the the Bears are a little bit less likely, but there is a chance. Um, I think they have the Jaguars coming up, which should be a Bears victory. Uh, as I said, they've been really, really good, and, and if they score 30 points again, which it's the Jaguars, so it's possible, you got to be a little bit concerned about a Packers team that's automatically in the playoff. Um, if they lose to the Titans, I don't you know, win or lose, it kind of just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried that maybe you don't get the best version. Whatever. It's possible. It's possible the Bears get in, so I want to talk about where they're at right now, and, and especially want to talk about the Bears because there's a lot of weird stuff going on. So let's start with that. First of all, as I said, the the big deal and the big question with the Bears is the fact that they've scored 30, 36, and 33 
points the last three weeks, which is supposed to be basically impossible. The Bears should not be able to do that. It doesn't matter who they play. They shouldn't be able to do that, and they're doing that. This team was scoring 19 points per game, is now averaging 33 points per game. That's kind of crazy. By the way, interesting little side note, uh, something to keep in the back of your mind. We've been talking about how the Packers' defense has been improving. 25 points to the Bears does not sound impressive when you factor in that they score 19 points a game. That's actually depressing. Here's the thing, though. After the bye... The Bears played four games, three of which they scored these 33 points per game, one of which was against the Green Bay Packers in which they scored 25. Those are the only games they've played since the bye week. So if something clicked during the bye week, after the bye week, whatever, the Packers held a 33-point-per-game team to 25 points. Now, it's kind of a lose-lose because either the Packers gave up 25 points to a 19-point team, which isn't great, or the Bears are a 33-point-per-game team, which is probably the worst <laughs> of those two scenarios. Um, but there is some issue to this um, in terms of, you know, I, I know there are some Bears fans that listen. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. couple issues, though. First of all, your defense that was giving up 21 points per game prior to the bye is now giving up 27 points per game and that includes only giving up 7 points to the Texans. Even with that, they're giving up 27 points per game. So the defense, right as your offense is starting to get into its stride, which may be an artificial stride, the defense is suddenly not playing very well anymore, and that's your bread and butter, and that's not great. If we're going to acknowledge one, we have to acknowledge the other. If we're going to say that's a fluke, then what are we talking about? With you got to be consistent. Beyond that, um, if we trust PFF to any degree, and I know we're split on that, but... PFF is still not impressed with Trubisky. He has technically been grading out higher the last two weeks, but his highest grade overall since the bye is a 69 overall. In other words, according to them, at best, he's slightly below below good. We, we could call him barely adequate. That's with the Bears in full stride. In the last four weeks of the season... Just the four weeks when when the Bears are riding high, Trubisky ranks 32nd out of 37 quarterback. Uh, quarterback. Uh, Montgomery, who everyone is, is super high on, and, and he's a good running back. I, I was obsessed with him in the draft. Can't believe the Bears got him. Made me very upset. The last four weeks, he ranks 11th. The only good offensive lineman the last four weeks is Whitehair, and that really is just because he had two dominant games and two subpar games, which averages out to very good. The only real elite piece the last quarter of the season, which shouldn't surprise anybody, is Allen Robinson because he's a very, very good wide receiver. You know that. Everybody knows that. And that's got to sting a little bit because you know he's not coming back. He doesn't want to be there. He is ranked as the second highest graded wide receiver over these last four weeks. He's playing out of his mind. Fantastic wide receiver. As for the defense, and I know this is a massive point of contention. PFF is not overly impressed with the individual pieces. The unit obviously is quite good. The individual pieces, there's a divergence between PFF and the media, and that hasn't really changed all that much. The defensive line obviously is scary. That's That kind of goes without saying, but arguably, and again, not going to like this, worst linebackers in football right now. Talking the last four weeks, it's been brutal. Corners, terrible. Tashawn Gibson, the last four weeks, is the best safety that you've guys got He's ranking 22nd. It's really just like anything. You know, if you guys hit your full stride, um, it's all good. 
the ability for this roster to hit sustained success, meaning even if you limp into the playoffs, the odds of you winning, basically you have to go undefeated from this point. You have to win your next two games to get into the playoffs. The odds that the Bears go undefeated from this point through the playoffs, through the wild card, into the Super Bowl, and winning the Super Bowl, it's as close to zero as it gets. Now, if, if honestly, if it was just that true, if, if PFF was telling me Trubisky is a top five quarterback the last three weeks, even if there was a good chance that that was a fluke, it would be scarier. The fact that PFF is looking at this and saying, look, kudos to you guys. Allen Robinson's doing great. Your running back's really hitting his stride. You know, you've, you've kind of caught a couple breaks here, but Trubisky's still hot garbage. I just, I can't get on board with that. So... Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's a trap. (laughs) This is what it is. It's everything was in place. Everything was in place for you guys to lose a bunch of games, get in range to get a new quarterback. And just because of a couple, what seeming seems to be a couple fluke games, not only have you lost the prospect of getting a really top tier quarterback, whatever, and you continue to go up the draft, which by the way, having done dozens of mock drafts, I literally do seven a week. One first round mock and six, seven round mock. One of the things I've realized is if you don't get one of those top four and you probably got to get them in the top 10, you've got Kyle Trask, you've got Mac Jones, and basically nobody. There's like three other quarterbacks. That's that's it. It is a wasteland, a barren wasteland of quarterback. And that's just where it stands now. I mean, if, if, if who knows? Kyle Trask might not make it to 15. And Mac Jones is, there's a lot of question marks about his ability. In terms of, is there anything special about him, or is he just a guy that sits in the pocket that can distribute the ball as long as he's not too far down the field? So, you played yourselves. And now, there's a real genuine concern. JJ had sent me a video from Michael Lombardi, who's a guy that I like a lot. He's one of those guys I reference when I say he's plugged in, because he's a former executive. He's still got some, whatever, sources. He's saying that he believes if Ryan Pace keeps his job, he's going to keep Trubisky because he's trying to save face. He's trying to say, look, this is we finally hit our stride. This is it. We're going we're gonna to make it now. If we can continue the success we saw at the end of the year throughout all of 2021, we are going to win the North. The problem is you ain't going to be able to sustain the success and it's going to be the same old Trubisky. And you're going to have to pay him a contract to keep him. So this is, this is bait. It's time to cut bait. Not for my sake, for your sake. Moving on. Next up, the Arizona Cardinals. I have the Cardinals as the seven seed going nine and seven. That's where I currently have them based on, you know, simulating out what I think is going to happen throughout the season. Not any super deep thoughts, just this team's better than that team, so they're probably going to win. Could go either way, but there's only two weeks. There's not a whole lot of variability here. So this is just ultimately an issue of a team that had an offense that was scoring 29 points per game, allowing 21 points per game before their bye, which is a great margin. When you score almost 30 points a game and you're allowing around 20 points a game, you're going to win a lot of game. They went 5-2 and two in that stretch. Since that time, the offense has fallen marginally from 29 to 27 points per game. The defense, however, has completely imploded, which is not surprising when your defense is made up of a bunch of old people. Um, you know, kind of get tired toward the end of the year. They went from allowing 21 points per game to 26. So the margin went from 21-29, so an eight-point margin, to a 26-27, a one-point margin. Basically, the offense is scoring about as many points as the defense gives up. Go figure, they're three and four in this stretch. It's about close to 500, isn't it? Funny how that works. Um, another issue is, like a lot of teams, inconsistency. The, the 
the big issue with their level of inconsistency, it's not like the Packers where occasionally they drop one. Their inconsistency is on defense, and the defense is inconsistently good, meaning they're mostly bad, and occasionally they show flashes of being competent. That sucks. Since their bye week, they have allowed more than 30 points three times, under 26 points just twice. And one of those games under 26 points, they actually lost. Um, Similar to Tua that I mentioned yesterday, Kyler Murray is starting to come on strong. Um, Not only is he playing well, you know, not super elite like the top end players, but the best thing about what he's doing is consistently good. You know, 70s and 80s, but consistent. He did have one real bad game, which happens, but I think that's an encouraging sign for Cardinals fans that your quarterback is showing levels of consistently playing at a high level. But still, even so, he's ranked 15th over the last four weeks. Again, Kyler Murray is similar to Cam Newton and a lot of other mobile quarterbacks in which fantasy football players, and I suppose probably a lot in the media, there's there's a ton of hype because they're exciting players. They score a ton of fantasy points with their legs. They're on highlight reels, reels left and right because they're scrambling around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And so that gets burned in everybody's mind. This is an elite player. The problem is he doesn't throw the football anywhere near as well as all the other quarterbacks in the NFL. So again, even during this stretch of being quite good, he's ranked 15th. He's a decent quality quarterback that can get it done if he has enough pieces around him, but he's not a Pat Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, drag your team to a Super Bowl type of quarterback. At least not now. We'll see what happens. We're talking about 2020 right now. Um, As I'm sure you know, Hopkins is still a stud, no signs of slowing down, Uh, but Similar to what Hopkins is used to, the next highest graded wide receiver over the last four weeks is Keyshawn Johnson. He's ranked 62nd. So again, you know, the the Chiefs have a similar situation. The Packers have a similar situation. The, The Saints have a similar situation. At least they used to. I don't know where they're at now, but where you've got one really good wide receiver and then it's just a massive drop off. Again, the problem is you don't have an elite quarterback. You know, even even in Houston, you had a better quarterback that would, you know you could survive with one elite prospect and, and not quite a lot else. This isn't as desirable of a situation. Um, the run game is pretty bleak, as you would expect from this style of offense, in which running the ball is not priority, but Chase Edmonds right now is ranked 35th among running backs. For, your, for reference, there are 32 teams in the NFL, so that's pretty bad. Um, the offensive line, there is at least one sign of, of positive whatever, a couple actually, um, DJ Humphreys. Their tackle is actually currently ranked number one over the last four weeks, just slightly ahead of David Bakhtiar. Again, not on the season, but recent history. Pugue is also a really solid guard, but uh, Mason Cole is one of the worst centers in football. It is a pretty rough offensive line with the exception of a couple key pieces. The reason I call the offensive line overall rough, despite having good pieces, is you're only as good as your weakest link. And right now your center is as bad as it gets. And that's the good side of the ball. That's that's the side that that's, you know... If they're winning, it's probably because of their offense. On the defensive side of the ball, I tend to believe, in fact, I'm quite positive, the Cardinals have the worst defensive tackles in all of football. Out of 131 defensive tackles, their three starters are ranked 103rd, 112th, and 117th. That's it. That's their three starting defensive tackles. That is horrific. Off the edge, they do have Hassan Redick... um, He's just he's one of those smaller type guys that he gets a ton of pressures. I mean, you got to give him some credit. He he is uh, 11th overall as a pass rusher, third in pressures, number 1 in sacks over the last 4 weeks. The biggest issues would be the fact that first of all, again, smaller guy, he's not going to do a lot to help you in the run game. And when you couple that with he's not helping you, the best edge rusher 
as far as their run-stopping ability is Canard, ranked 33rd in run defense, and then couple that with how bad your defensive tackles are. When we talk about running the football, the Cardinals have no ability whatsoever up front to win. And so again, you've got a really bad defensive line that has one guy that's really good at getting at quarterbacks, and that's it. Which is nice to at least have that. I mean, it's not, you know, the number one pressure guy in football right now is not a bad thing to have, but overall, that's rough. Uh, the linebackers are also pretty bleak. Devon J. Campbell um, is the one competent linebacker that they have. He's ranked 37th. Simmons and Hicks, uh, obviously Isaiah Simmons, a lot of people are super stoked about. I know a while ago everyone was saying he has arrived. I don't know when that happened or what exactly is going on, but Simmons and Hicks are ranked 60th and 61st among linebackers right now. Again, this is still recent history. We're looking at the last four weeks, not over the course of the season. At corner, there's some uh, optimism there. Byron Murphy, real solid. Uh, the problem is the other two are not great, which, you know, again, Packers fans can somewhat identify with that when you got one good one and, and some that are a little less trustworthy, I guess. But they're they're fairly adequate. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick and Patrick Peterson currently rank 52nd and 64th, which sounds real bad, but understand Kevin King ranks a lot lower than that. And to some degree, we kind of trust him a little bit. So, eh. Safety is pretty bad, and I can explain how bad it is to you by telling you that their top-ranked safety right now is Chris freaking Banjo. Buda Baker is behind him, ranked 45th overall in the NFL. Um, overall, I mean, it's it's similar to several other teams where they've got a couple elite weapons. They have not put it together quite yet, and I do think they need some, some, some help. Um, they definitely need a defensive tackle. I don't think they're going to touch linebacker because the expectation is for Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons to get better. Uh, maybe some help along the offensive line, get a, an additional receiving option. You know, maybe. But again, looking at 2020, nah. I, I and, and again, look, I, I think they're probably a better team than I expected, but they're kind of what I expected. I had said I don't understand the hype for the Cardinals. I don't know why everybody loves them so much. I don't think they're very good. And you're kind of seeing that. There's just too many holes. There's too many deficiencies. Next up, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers are clearly, um, of the teams we've talked about so far, of a different stripe, right? The other two are kind of iffy. I don't really expect much from them. Tampa Bay has got a little bit more clout. Um, as of right now, I have them as the number five seed going 11-5 and five on the season. The biggest issue with the Bucks is that they're a massive regression candidate, meaning everything's kind of there, but it's starting to fall apart at the exact wrong time. I think the you know if you think about teams like Seattle last year, real hot team to start the season, and they just started to fall apart. And by the time we saw them in the playoffs, they were just kind of garbage. Like it, it was not a difficult game for the Packers to win. It just they did not look good. I'm not saying that's what Seattle's going to do again. We'll get to Seattle. Um, but it kind of just has that feel for the Buccaneers. But if we look at the first half of the year, the offense was scoring 32 points a game. The defense was allowing 20. That is an unbelievable 12-point margin. They went 5-2, and two, not surprisingly, in that stretch. The last seven weeks, the last half of the season, they are 26-26. and 26. They're 4-3. and three. Again, the offense and defense are producing about the exact same, actually literally the exact same, 26 points, and they're about 500 in that stretch. That's not playoff material. You can't go 500 and be a team that only scores 26 points and your defense gives up 26 points. That sucks a lot. That's not good enough. Um, but despite all that, Tom Brady is still playing at a really high level. I know people are trashing him. He's getting old and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's, it is a concern when you have some games uh, that are not super great and there are some throws that you can see that are not super great. But um, 
outside of, of wondering whether or not he's going to just blow it in the playoffs because he can't play consistently for long enough. Again, even over the last four weeks, really, really playing quite well. Um, he is graded out as the sixth highest graded quarterback over the last four weeks. Um, one of the bigger issues that they've got right now is wide receiver. The highest graded wide receiver recently is actually Antonio Brown, which is super annoying. He's graded out as the 22nd highest graded wide receiver, actually one spot behind Devontae Adams, who is currently 21st. Still number one overall, I believe, but uh, again, the last four weeks, not as much. Uh, Godwin, who was a freak last year, is ranked 39th. Mike Evans is ranked 45th. This is your bread and butter. Godwin and Evans was arguably the best wide receiver duo in football last year. And you added Antonio Brown to the mix on top of having a couple talented tight ends. You can't have these guys start to fall off, and they are. It's just not clicking like it did last year. It's still not a bad group, but, you know, it's not what you were hoping for. Um, Tight end, I already mentioned, Gronk is 13th. Cameron Braid is 18th. Not the best, not the worst. Kind of similar to the wide receivers. You kind of wish it was a little bit better. Uh, Ronald Jones has actually shown some signs of improvement. He was kind of in bust territory after that first year. A lot of people were really concerned that maybe he just isn't the guy. Currently ranked as the ninth best running back in football over the last five weeks. He's averaging 5.4 yards per carry. So that's a great sign for him. Um, I do think the Buccaneers right now have the best tackle duo in football between Wirfs and Donovan Smith. Uh, you got Alex Kappa, who's the fourth best guard in football. The other two are decent, but really it's those three that are just creating a very dominant offensive line. On defense, uh, the issue is, as far as I can see, the defensive line is largely just Sue. He's not grading out all that well, but he is getting to the quarterback. He's sixth in pressures with 16 on 108, pre- uh, 108 pressure attempts, 15%. So he's getting to the quarterback 15% of the time. Um, off the edge, it's not great. Jason Pierre-Paul getting to the... Uh, uh, no, he's graded 67th overall. But uh, Mr. Pressure Machine, Shaquille Barrett, is fourth in pressures with 18 on hard and four uh, attempts, 17%. So the grades aren't great, but you got guys like Sue and Shaquille Barrett that do get to the quarterback and do disrupt the quarterback. Obviously, that was a big problem for the Green Bay Packers was the amount of pressure that was getting to him, and so that is part of the reason that the defense, despite not having maybe the greatest pieces everywhere, they've got a great defensive coordinator that knows how to manipulate um, offensive lines and whatnot and, and manufacture pressures for these guys. So again, they're not grading out all that well, but they get to the quarterback very regularly. Um, the linebackers, I would say, are the biggest surprise. PFF has never really been a big fan of Devin White, but right now he is the top guy. Uh, He's 34th, which isn't all that great, but again, compared to what he was early in the season, like the worst linebacker in football, 34th is not bad. Uh, The other really big surprise, Levante David, a linebacker that everybody loves, including PFF, once considered the best linebacker in the league. When the Packers played him, that's what he was. He's currently ranked 54th. Uh, One thing that you notice about guys like Levante David, and maybe this is true of just smaller, hyper-athletic guys, they either play really, really, really well or really, really, really bad. And so it's really just a matter of you know him being the best or worst linebacker in football comes down to his string of games. And recently he has not had one of those really dominant games. And so, um, again, another key piece that's just not where you want him to be. You need guys like Levante David and, and Devin White to be able to do their job really, really well and they're kind of not. Again, Devin White's headed in the right direction, but it's as Levante David is, is kind of losing his luster. Um, at cornerback, Ross Cockrell holding down the job quite well. 
Uh, he doesn't have any plays on the ball, but only 42 yards allowed. Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy bunting uh, have been dragging quite a bit. Davis has allowed three touchdowns in the last four weeks with over 150 passer rating when targeted. Sean Murphy bunting allowed two touchdowns, 237 yards. Just in four weeks, 153.7 passer rate. So, again, to recap, you've got a couple guys that get pressure, but overall... Nobody's grading out all too well in terms of run defense, pass rush, all that stuff. And you've got one corner that's decent and two that are really, 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 really terrible to the point where teams pick on them and have a ton of success. And then finally, they've got safeties that are right now quite terrible. Um, Whitehead is their top guy, ranked 42nd overall. Winfield behind him at 48. Winfield did have a very promising start, uh, rookie, but... um, after about the first four weeks of the season, I don't know if teams figured him out or what, it just all kind of came crashing down. So, again, the, the biggest issue with Tampa right now is the fact that the defense is slipping, right? And so when you've got Tom Brady playing at a high level and you've got really talented wide receivers and whatnot and your offense can move and your running back's getting better and you have a dominant defense, there's no stopping you. But when your offense starts to slip a little bit, again, you go from scoring 30 points a game to about 26 points a game because your offense, your wide receivers or whatever, just not quite getting it done. Your quarterback is kind of inconsistent. You know, he looks great and then he throws a pick or just a really weird pass at the wrong time. Couple that with the fact that some of your guys on defense are really slipping. Some of the guys that were kind of maybe subpar have become terrible. Some of the guys that were good have become subpar. It's just things are trending in the wrong direction. So they're still a good team. They're still a dangerous team. Do I expect this team, which is trending in the wrong direction at the exact wrong time to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely not. I don't. I mean, to be fair, I don't expect anyone to win a Super Bowl. But again, there are several teams that I can point to, like the Buffalo Bills, and say this team is a serious threat to win a Super Bowl. The Chiefs, just by virtue of being the Chiefs, are a serious threat. The Titans are a very serious threat. Tampa, again, fine, but just based on trajectory and whatnot, it's not looking good. It's not what you want. You want things to be heading in a certain direction. They're going the wrong way. Next up, we got the LA Rams, obviously a big anomaly here. As I've said, I don't really count uh, last week as as meaning all that much. Um, It is somewhat concerning about the mentality of a team that that can kind of cash it in to that degree. Um, But I think even before that, it was kind of a matter of what is this team really? Um, Pretty consistent if you look at the offense and defensive side of the ball. On offense, the first half of the season, 24 points. Second half of the season, 25 points. Last four, 26. So a very, very slow, gradual uphill uh, climb. Not very impressive, though. I mean, the Rams, when they were at their peak, were at their peak because they had a dominant offense. The offense has clearly regressed. Um, the defense has obviously been the major contributor this year, which has always been surprising because we know about one guy on the defense that's dominant, but um, not a whole lot of, of names there. Still, the first half of the season, 19 points allowed. Second half, 20 points allowed. Last four, 19 points. So again, consistent. Consistently, 19 to 20 points. The offense slightly trending upward. Um, so technically, they are headed in the right direction, but they're more or less consistent. They, they maintain this this winning record, winning team, because they generally score about six-ish points more than the defense allow. It's a winning formula, right? That's all you really need. Um, one of the biggest questions, and this is going to be, this is a serious question for the Rams in general, because they're right at that point where you've got a guy like Stafford, like Flacco, like whoever, where you look at him and you say, I know he's got talent, 
But does he have enough talent to ever get us there, or is he always going to be just too much of a hindrance? Right now, Jared Goff is ranked 20th overall, uh, actually one spot behind rookie Justin Herbert. I should specify that's on the season. Um, The last four weeks, 25th overall. So it's not going well. Right now, he's keeping company with guys like Taysom Hill, Nick Mullins, Sam Darnold. Right, That's the range he's in. Dwayne Haskins is a couple spots ahead of him. So it's not good enough, right? And, and you could almost just stop it right here and say this quarterback is not a good enough quarterback to get you there. However, we have seen some instances like Flacco, like Manning, to be completely honest with the Broncos, where the quarterback play was nowhere near good enough, but a really solid defense is what got him there. So maybe, but that's not a great sign. Looking at the offensive weapons, again, not exactly what you want. Uh, looking at the overall grades and whatnot, the highest graded wide receiver is Robert Woods, 29th. After that, Cooper Cup, 36th. you got to go all the way down to 99th to find Josh Reynolds, number three. So again, you've got a subpar quarterback. You've got uh, wide receivers, and, and everybody's regressing together. Right? This was a really, you know, I, I, I never like top five quarterback, but he was up there. When he was at his prime, when Matt LaFleur was there, for example, and these wide receivers were some of the best in the business. I mean, they were really, really, really talented as a group. But at this point, it's just, it's kind of good, not great. Mediocre, maybe. Um, Tyler Higby currently ranked 19th, which isn't terrible. But again, he's been a lot higher. Gerald Everett is 28th. I mean, both of them are technically graded out as average. It's just, there's nothing here that's getting you over the hump. Uh, Cam Akers, again, he's good, not great. 13th overall, 73 overall, great. Um, you look at that and say, well, that's that's decent. But again, look at look at where the Rams running backs have ranked over the years. I mean, everybody is just less than what they were. And again, when we talk about playoffs, we're talking about Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Gus Edwards, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, possibly Matt Breida, Salvin Ahmed, uh, Ronald Jones, maybe David Montgomery. Uh, Latavius Murray. These are all guys that are currently ahead of Cam Akers. They're all playoff teams. They're mostly teams with better quarterbacks and better wide receivers. So no, 13th with Cam Akers is not going to cut it. Um, offensive line, exact same story, right? They they at one point had a great tackle duo. Right now it's Rob Havenstein and nobody. Havenstein over the last four weeks is graded, which by the way, you want to talk about dominant tackle duos, I'll, I'll give this kudos because, you know, people think I'm a hater or whatever. I just I just say what is. Right now, David Bakhtiari second, Billy Turner 14th best tackle in football right now, which, according to ESPN, is blasphemous, but um, this is a lot of respect being given to Billy Turner via PFF, who has not been impressed, saying, no, 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 he is getting very, very good as the season's rolling on here. So in terms of tackle duos over the last four weeks, I don't know if there's a better one. I did mention Tampa Bay. You've got uh, Tristan Wirfs and Donovan Smith are fifth and sixth, so you probably have to give the nod there. But um, second best, I'll take that. You know, at guard, 13th and 37th, that's garbage. And then you've got your center, 14th, Austin Blythe. And it's just, it's such a unbelievably mediocre offense, just across the board. Austin Blythe is a 66th overall grade, 14th in the NFL out of 34 centers. That's the whole team. The wide receivers are meh. Jared Goff is meh. Tight ends are meh. Running back is meh. Offensive line is meh. That's it. That's the whole offense. Top to bottom. Um, defensively, this is where obviously things kick up. Um, Aaron Donald is a freak among freaks. That's just the absolute bottom line. Um, 
highest graded defensive tackle. I would be willing to bet highest graded defensive player. 25 pressures is the most in the uh, the NFL at defensive tackle right now. The second highest is 22nd. The third highest is 19th. So from go to three to so from going to three to one, you have to go from 19 pressures to 25 pressures. He's been doing this since forever. The only guy with more sacks is DeForest Buckner. But uh, DeForest Buckner has managed five sacks on 15 pressures, which is a wildly unsustainable mark. Uh, Aaron Donald has four sacks. But still, just an absolute freak among freaks. To make matters worse, there is a guy by the name of Sebastian Joseph Day. Worse as in for everybody else on the planet. He is currently currently ranked as the fifth best defensive tackle in football. Now, he's a more rotational guy. Aaron Donald basically doesn't come off the field, but he still has 100 snaps, so roughly uh, call it 26, 27 per week, which is basically starter snaps, right? Rashawn's getting, what, 13, 14? But, um, yeah, so he has a ni- basically a 90 overall grade, 88.7 against the run. So you've got the best pass-rushing defensive tackle in football in Aaron Donald, uh, one of, if not the best run-defending defensive tackles in Sebastian Joseph Day. So freakish dominant and again this is the last four weeks so it's a little bit of a smaller sample size but this is where they're at right now off the edge they're definitely much less impressive which has kind of been my issue with them since forever is that once you get past that one good guy there's just nothing uh leonard floyd right now 35th as far as edge rushers he has nine pressures on 106 attempts which basic math 10 percent we're not quite there after that, 49th, Justin Hollins, edge rusher, two pressures on 42 attempts. That is pathetic. So there's nothing off the edge. They have not had a good edge rusher. I don't know. I don't know the last time they've had a good edge rusher. But, again, I, I don't know what they're doing to make this work. I don't know how you make one guy so good. Let me rephrase that. I don't know how you make a defense so good because of one guy. But, uh, you know, kudos uh, at linebacker, Troy Reeder is currently their top guy. He's ranked 24th overall. After that, Kenny Young, 31st overall. So not the worst group in the world. They don't have any real top-end, elite, you know, Deion Jones type of linebackers. Uh, you know, there's no Kamal Martins or anything. But, you know, it's 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 guys that are competent and they're consistent. And there's two of them. So it's, it's, it, it works. At corner, they've definitely got some pieces, and this also is going to help when you've got a really good pass rusher that's going to get there in a matter of no time, and you've got some corners that are getting it done. Troy Hill, currently graded as the seventh best corner, Darius Williams, 19th, and Jalen Ramsey, 27th. So you've got, again, basic rule of thumb that I like to use is top 32. Um, There's only 32 top 32 guys, right? Number ones in the NFL. The Rams have three three of the top 32 players. That's quite good. Jair Alexander right now is ranked 25th. He's the only one the Packers have. Yes, I still think he's probably the best or second best corner in football, but over the last four weeks, that's kind of where we're at, and that's where the Rams are at, and that's a big part of the reason that they're having so much success. Again, good corners and one good pass rusher is kind of all you need when your one good pass rusher is Aaron Donald, I guess. Um, On top of that, they currently have the second highest graded safety in John Johnson. Absolutely nothing after that, but again, there's just enough pieces at just enough critical positions to make this work. I don't, I don't think they're the most dominant defense in the history of the world, but again, they, they make what they have work, and um, really it's just a matter of if you can't throw the ball and Aaron Donald's going to be there in 2.6 seconds, you're going to struggle, and that's the, that's the bottom line. They struggle, 
and again, they've got another defensive tackle whose sole job is to be really good against the run. Aaron Donald is very good against the run, so it's not as though, well, all they got is a pass rusher and corner, so we'll just run all over them. No, because they've got those two guys, and they've got some adequate linebackers, and they've got a good safety who's really, really good against the run in John Johnson. So no, you're not going to run. You're going to have a hard time throwing. It's a tough defense. But again, the the issue is, I, I just don't know that they are... I mean, they are on that next tier, right? They've got what it takes, but the offense is really bad. And I don't know if this is a, you know, Denver Broncos when they won the Super Bowl type of defense. I don't know if this is dragging Joe Flacco to a Super Bowl defense. Might end up eating my words. I just don't see it. Especially when you look at, okay, so what, is it going to be a rematch? Rams, Chiefs, and they're going to win this time? No chance. They were better last time. Um, at least offensively they were. I, I just, I don't think this is a defense that's going to stop the Chiefs. I don't think so. So... You know, when you when you put it up against the the spotlight like that, or even the Packers or the Titans or any of these other really really dominant offenses, at some level you're going to come up against an offense that's not going to be intimidated, that is going to score points. And the question always is going to come back to: Do you have an offense that can keep up? And I don't think they do. Uh, one more before we get to the break. Um, one of the ones that is still kind of on the outside looking in, but definitely worth talking about: the Washington Football Team. Strictly from a trending standpoint, this is a scary football team. Their offense went from scoring 19 points in the first half of the year to 25 points in the second half and 26 the last four. Massive trend on top of just being a massive jump in the second half of the season. And then their defense, which was always pretty good, went from scoring 24 points in the first half to allowing 18 points in the second half and 17 in the last half. The reason they were such a joke in the beginning of the year is because their offense scored 19, their defense allowed 24. That is a losing recipe. You're going to lose more games when that's the case. They're currently at 26 and 17. The Rams are at 26 and 19. The Washington football team are currently better in terms of offensive and defensive production than the Rams. The Bucks, 26 and 26. Washington right now is better than Tampa. Now, I, I, again, I'm not talking about the players or the coaching or any of the stuff, or, or saying that if Washington played the Bucks today, Washington would win, walk away, walking away. But it is what it is. Right now, they're playing better than those teams. So I think it's worth at least acknowledging. I just talked about quarterbacks and said Haskins was higher than uh, higher than Goff. Which is shocking, not only because Goff is so low, but Haskins is so high. Haskins, and I listen, he's in a lot of trouble, and I get all that, and he's not the guy. But still, this was a consensus worst quarterback in all of football who went from being the worst to being average. That's weird. And then you couple that with what might be legitimately the scariest defense in football right now, allowing 17 points per game. Again, it's worth looking at. So there are two quarterbacks that we've got to talk about. There's Haskins, and then there's Alex Smith. They've both played the last four weeks. Again, neither of these guys are great. The same questions that you would ask about Goff, you would ask about um, the uh, about Washington. But right now, they are ranking 21st and 23rd. They're actually right next to each other because there's a tie at 21, so there is no 22. Um, Dwayne Haskins right now is 21st. Alex Smith is 23rd. They're both on the low end of average, which is not good. Haskins is 346 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Alex Smith uh, in three games, this is compared to two games with Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, 502 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Neither of those, again, are very good. But still, better than the Washington that started the season. 
Um, at wide receiver, real serious problem. Terry McLaurin is actually down at 69th overall. Now, I like Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin is a very good wide receiver. As a rookie, he had an 85.7 overall grade. To start the season, he was really, really solid. The last four, well, the last four weeks, obviously, as I said, were bad. But that's with an 86 mixed in. Against Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Seattle, he's graded 50, 58, and 57. He's had a real rough stretch. I expect him to bounce back, but that's a rough stretch. Um, either way, very concerning. Again, if you're using the rule of 32, they don't have a number one. They don't even have a number two. That would be 64th. He's graded 69th. The next best wide receiver after Terry McLaurin, and again, Terry McLaurin is better than this, but the last four weeks has been brutal. Uh, Cam Sims at 86th overall, and then Steven Sims at 101st out of 102 wide receivers. Christian Kirk is actually the worst wide receiver the last four weeks. Um, at tight end, Logan Thomas, currently ranked 16th, not the worst in the universe, actually grading out fairly well as a receiver, one spot ahead of Robert Tunyon. Yes, I said one spot ahead. I'm sorry, it is what it is. Tunyon still has a good grade, but uh, you know we're talking low 70s compared to guys in the 90s like Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews. So decent uh, receiving option in Logan Thomas, and considering Terry McLaurin's fall from grace the last three weeks, I don't know if he has an injury or what, this may be their best receiving option. Tad bit of good news, um, Antonio Gibson, and I got trashed for this a little bit in my comment section when I did my Washington mock, um, I, I do think it's a little bit out of left field from fans that are way too optimistic about guys that are not that good, but I did have him taken a running back. I regret it, but, you know, ETN has to go somewhere, man. Antonio Gibson is currently ranked 16th. He's actually quite a bit higher if you look at for the season, but the last four weeks he's at 16th overall. Not been a terrible running back whatsoever. He is actually averaging 5.9 yards per attempt, which is freakish the last four weeks. And then the offensive line, uh, the tackles, which, you know, if, if you ask... A Washington fan, or really anybody, the number one need for Washington outside of a quarterback, if they don't get one, it's definitely a tackle. Uh, Cornelius Lucas, 27th overall. Morgan Moses, 37th overall right now. Neither doing a very good job protecting their quarterback. At guard, Brandon Scherf, still a very good guard, has been for a very long time, currently 5th overall in the NFL. But uh, Wes Schweitzer is 42nd out of, uh, I don't know, it doesn't matter, he's bad. And then uh, center Chase Rullier. Also a very good center. So they got a couple good guys on the interior, guys that are kind of getting up in age. They also got tackles that are not good that are getting up in age. So the offensive line is a pretty dire situation. So, you know, again, the, the offense is not the strength. It's definitely trending in the right direction. Um, but you're looking at a subpar offensive line, subpar quarterbacks, one good wide receiver that's suddenly deciding he doesn't want to play very much, and then a tight end and running back that are, you know, kind of, I guess, adequate. On the defensive line, you've got Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, um, big old Alabama boy. Fairly good compliments to one another. Deron Payne, more of a run-defending type. Jonathan Allen, the better pass rusher. He has 18 pressures on 150 attempts. Obviously, quick math. That's not bad. Uh, Deron Payne, again, more of the run-defending type. 11 on 152, which is subpar, but it's not bad when you're the compliment complimentary piece. Off the edge is where they've really been dominating recently. Montez Sweat has hit his stride. Um, he does only have seven pressures on 108 attempts, which isn't great, but as a run defender, he's really, really, really blossomed. Um, and actually they're grading him quite highly as a pass rusher as well. So the, uh, the stats and the grades aren't quite lining up again, you can win and not get to the quarterback. Uh, but then you got Chase Young, who is currently graded as seventh. So they got the sixth and seventh best pass rushers in the last, uh, four weeks. Chase Young also 10 pressures on 144 attempts below average. 
But both of these guys really, really stout against the run. Very good tackler. Uh, Chase Young actually grading out really well in coverage. He's dropped 11 times. Montez Sweat, um, again, really good pass rushing grade. So overall, the defense is stout and I would say at least adequate and a good complement. Again, a good run defender and a good pass rusher. And then off the edge, you got two extremely dominant guys setting the edge against the run that do have the ability to win uh, as far as getting to the quarterback, even though the stats aren't quite where you'd like it to be. At linebacker, one of the few teams that has a linebacker at the top, I don't know why it's so hard to find them, probably goes to uh, <laughs> goes to prove out that linebackers aren't that important because all the best teams don't have very good linebackers. But uh, Cole Holcomb, currently 12th overall, which doesn't seem that high, but again, very rarely do you see guys that are uh, grading out well. You know, Deion Jones is Atlanta. They're not a playoff team. Juwan Bentley, New England. They're not a playoff team. Joe Giles-Harris, Jacksonville. They're not a playoff team. Nicholas Morrow, Las Vegas. They're not a playoff team. So anyways, Cole Holcomb grading out quite well. Uh, mostly a coverage guy, but solid. And then they got John Bostic as a compliment. Doesn't grade out super well, but 33rd overall, meaning as far as, again, rule of 32, very, very good number two linebacker. Um, and also a, a pretty solid compliment, even though he's a better coverage guy than a run defender, real solid tackler. Corners are definitely lacking. Ronald Darby is currently their highest rated guy at 47, but pretty good compensation when you've got safeties, uh, Jeremy Reeves and Cameron Curl. Never heard of him in my life, but currently graded out as 11th and 15th overall. So again, you can see why the defense which has all these pieces. And again, it's not perfect. No defense or offense is perfect. But if you've got a good enough defensive coordinator that has the right pieces for the scheme and the system that you want to run, and obviously this is a, a team that loves just getting these big, bulky, especially along the defensive line. They love these big old Alabama guys. You get guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young that aren't just, you know, like Hassan Reddick speed edge rushers, right? They're big, massive, imposing guys. They're just a very, very physical defense, and they get it done. Now, you know, although they're trending in the right direction, does this team have what it takes to get there? No. Even if Terry McLaurin gets back to being dominant, even if, you know, the running back gets going, it just, it's it's not good for a couple reasons. I mean, it's not good enough to win this year, but it also is a thing where um, you worry about the age of some of these guys. Um, young pass rushers, which is great, but, uh, you know, the... The linebackers, the defensive tackles, the offensive line especially, no quarterback, and you know, the wide receiver group as a whole is not great. I'm glad they're doing well, and, um, you know, they're again, they're, they are trending in the right direction, but if we're being honest, comparing Washington going up against literally any of the teams that I've listed so far, massive uphill battle. And, you, I mean, again, you can see why they're winning. Right, and you can see why they they not just played spoiler one week, but have continued to win since then. They're playing some good football, but even so, it's kind of like the the uh, the Bears, where it's a bit of a paper paper dragon. You know, when you actually analyze the individual pieces, they're doing some special things. There's just not enough here to get the job done. Anyways, let's take a break. This is taking a very long time, extremely long-winded, but uh, that's all right. We'll be right back, and we'll talk about the rest of these NFC playoff teams. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. 
And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, next up on the train, we've got the teams that are officially locks in the uh, the playoffs. They're in. They can't get out. There's nothing that they can do that will boot them out of the playoffs. And I want to start with the Seattle Seahawks, another team that's extremely interesting because they're not what they were. Um, wildly volatile. In fact, they've done a complete 180. The first half of the season, best offense in football. Remember hearing that? 34 points per game. The defense, however, was arguably the worst in football. They were on track to break all kinds of records, allowing 28 points per game. Second half of the season, the defense dropped from 28 points allowed to 16 points allowed per game. That's better than Washington. That's better than probably any team we've talked about. The offense, however, has dropped to 23 points per game from 34 to 23. The last four weeks, the offense has scored 23 points per game, which is terrible. The defense has allowed 13 points per game. That's unbelievable. Uh, If we begin to look at the, um, well, we'll start with quarterback as we look at the players. One of the clear declines has been Russell Wilson. Now, if you're just comparing quarterbacks, especially coming off Goff and Alex Smith and Haskins and whatnot, this is a great quarterback compared to the fact that he was considered arguably the best in football, that he was up there with Mahomes and Rodgers, and they were going to have this big competition for who's going to be the MVP and all that. He is currently 11th with a 70 seven overall grade. Bear in mind, the top quarterbacks, 93.6, 92.8, 91.5, 91.2, 90.0. Russell Wilson, 76.9. He's not in the same universe as the elite quarterbacks and the elite quarterback that he was early in this season. Compared to Aaron Rodgers' 939 yards, 11 touchdowns, and zero interceptions the last four weeks, Russell Wilson has thrown 820, seven touchdowns, three interceptions. The wide receiver position isn't much better in that we're still saying good, but it's not what we remember. And again, this is why I love doing this kind of stuff, because in my mind, one of the best quarterbacks 
with one of the better wide receiver duos in all of football, DK Metcalf being one of the best wide receivers in football right now. DK Metcalf is still dominant. Last four weeks, he ranks 13th. That's great. 81.9 overall grade, 361 yards and a touchdown, right? Solid. Bigger issue, aside from him maybe not being quite super dominant elite, is the fact that the next highest is Tyler Lockett ranking 82nd overall, David Moore 84th. Putrid, terrible, horrible. Tyler Lockett, 172 yards, zero touchdowns, 9.6 yards per attempt right now. That's not good. So, um, again, quarterback play has declined. Still have DK playing at a high level, but DK is by himself right now. Tight end is not only bad, it's real bad. Um, The only tight end that they have right now playing adequate snaps is Jacob Hollister, ranking 33rd out of 39 tight ends. They have nothing at tight end right now. At the running back position, it's not getting all that much better. Chris Carson, again, similar to the Rams, he's not bad, 73-ish overall, um, but 15th. So you couple everything together with the declining uh, quarterback, the declining wide receivers massively, the fact that they no longer have, you know, I mean, you know, they used to have Jimmy Graham, they had Wilson, they had guys that were decent at tight end, maybe not elite, but good enough. Now they have nothing. And they've gone from having a, you know, top 10, probably, you know, I don't know about top five, but really good running back to an average running back. Chris Carson, it's, it's not even good for his standards. You add to that what we already know about the Seattle offensive line, the fact that Dwayne Brown, their best offensive lineman, is uh, currently ranked, uh, let's see, 28th overall in terms of tackles. Chad Wheeler, 48th. At guard, Damian Lewis, 28th. Jordan Simmons, 52nd. Mike Upati, 73rd out of 81. They don't have a single good guard on this team. Then you've got Ethan Posick, uh, 19th out of 34. So, I mean, look, man, um, just from the offensive standpoint, I'm just, I'm not scared of Seattle. I'm just not. I, you know, I've been talking about their decline for quite some time now. Um, They finally did one good thing, got DK Metcalf, which has helped give them a little bit of a boost. Daughter has some thoughts. I, I just think the decline is, is continuing. You know, we haven't looked at the defense yet, but just based on this, you know, it wasn't surprising that by the time they got into the playoffs, they got walked all over by the Packers. Um, and I don't really see that necessarily changing. That They are trying and fighting so unbelievably hard to still be a top-tier team. And usually in the beginning of the season, they're, they're the anti-Patriots. The Patriots always got off to a slow start. We would say, ha-ha, you guys are finally done, you bunch of losers, and then they win a Super Bowl. The Seahawks come out swinging. Every year I say, you know what, they're done. I think this is finally it. They're going to completely collapse. I don't think I said it this year because they've been doing it for so long and they got DK, so I kind of backed off of that. But they just, by the end of the year, there's just nothing left in the tank. This is a terrible offensive line. Um, And when you got Russ playing as a good instead of an elite top-end quarterback, it's kind of already done. I mean, you have to have Russell playing at a top-three quarterback level to even have a chance. Um, And and you do have a chance. If he's playing like that and you have DK and Lockett's like a top-30-ish as opposed to like, you know, 80th, you got a chance. But this is this is bad. And I, you know, as much as I hate Seattle, I kind of feel bad because it shouldn't have to be like this. I mean, it just, Schneider, man, brutal. Now, on the flip side, the defense, which seemingly is getting quite a bit better, um, is headlined by Mr. Snacks Harrison. Um, Packer fan's not going to be super happy to hear about that, but he's doing exactly, exactly what we hoped he would come and do for us. 
Um, I wasn't positive whether or not he'd still be able to do it. Oftentimes you hear about these guys, especially guys that want to find a job and can't. There's usually a reason for that. But um, currently he is ranked as the 10th best defensive tackle in football. Not surprisingly, he has zero pressures, terrible pass rusher, because that's what he always is. However, second highest graded run defending defensive tackle in football. So all the people out there saying we need to get snacks, get snacks, do, you know, come on, you bunch of dummies, get snacks. Vindication, folks. Vindication. He's been fantastic for Seattle. Not only that, not that there's a direct one-to-one correlation, but you've got the worst defense in football suddenly becoming a very competent team right at the exact same time they get one of the best run-defending defensive tackles in football on their team. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, after that, it's a bit of a fall-off. you got Puna Ford, Another good run-defending guy. I know Seattle fans really like Puna. Um, Adequate, not super fantastic, but 38th, I guess, is not terrible for a number two. Behind him, LJ Collier, terrible draft pick. Apparently, they kicked him inside. Don't know, don't care. He's not good. I just, I'm annoyed by him. I shouldn't say by him, by the pick that they made to get LJ Collier. Off the edge, um, not great. Alton Robinson is currently 19th, which I guess isn't the worst in the world. Not a good run defender. Four pressures on 47 attempts is sub 10%. That's not great. They don't have any other edge rushers graded out in the top 50. At linebacker, Bobby Wagner is down to 31st overall. Other terrible first-round pick, Jordan Brooks, is 45th, which, to be honest, is better than I would have expected, considering it's a first-round pick for Seattle. But still... um, those two aren't great. However, K.J. Wright, um, you know, they, they keep it loaded up with, with guys that are talented. Getting up in age, but K.J. Wright currently 14th. So, again, solid, def- you know, decent enough defensive tackles. Um, one halfway competent but not really edge rusher. Decent linebackers. And you got K.J. Wright, that's a borderline top 10 guy. Bobby Wagner's kind of... You know, a top... I mean, he's, first of all, super intelligent. I mean, he's been around since forever. He doesn't have the physical attributes like he used to. He was clearly one of the best for a very long time. He doesn't have it anymore. But to have him as a complement, as a number two, it's a good group. Then I think the biggest shocker of them all, and I think I've referenced this before, probably the, the best cornerback duo in football, arguably up there with the Buffalo Bills, is Seattle. DJ Reed and Shaquille Griffin currently tied at eighth best corner in football so again you're, you're starting to see this resurgence and if there's listen listen i'm not buying seattle but you can see the scenario in which the defense holds great corners um maybe not the best pass rush in the world which is always going to bite you because you got to be able to get to the cornerback the quarterback if you're going to have success but good solid strong defensive line at least against the run good linebackers great corners if the offense gets back in the swing of things. If if this holds and Russell Wilson comes back and DK just even stays where he is or possibly gets better and you get like a top 30 version of Tyler Lockett, all bets are off, right? Th- then we start talking about them. But, but then we're talking about a team that's 30 points per game and a defense that allows 19 points a game. Again, you can't pick and choose. You can't say, well, the defense stays the same and the offense gets better. Well, maybe the offense stays the same and the defense gets better or they whatever. Point is, as they are right now, this is an impressive defense. Kudos to them because this is a defense that has completely fallen off, but they're starting to pick up the pieces. I don't know how super sustainable it is because some of these guys are way up in age. Snacks Harrison was a one-time deal. He ain't going to be around much longer. They still don't have any pass rushers. That's a massive problem. Um, But then Quandre Diggs, who was a a guy that was always underrated in Detroit, um, they got rid of him. You know, he's one of those guys that wanted out, kind of 
was glad that he got out of there. Um, currently seventh best safety in the NFL, one spot behind uh, Micah Hyde. So again, it's it's kind of a weird thing. I'm not buying it. Seattle's offense is is rapidly declining, but they've they've they're one of those teams that if everything clicks, which is kind of like the Bears, but to a much more believable degree because the 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 defensive pieces are kind of this good, maybe overperforming a little bit, but you can sustain that at least for a season. Next season, I'm not buying it, but can they do it for a couple more weeks? And we know Russ can be better, and we know Lockett can be better, and we know DK has another gear in him. So I guess where I'm at with Seattle is right now, I'm out. They're not going to win. They're not good enough. They're petering out. This is what they started. This is a new tradition for them. They they get, they get uh, depleted at the end of the year. But I'm on Seattle Seahawks watch duty. If we see them win 30-14 to 14 this upcoming week or the next couple weeks, I'm very scared of Seattle because there's like a sleeping giant. Right now, they're, they're, they're a sleeping giant. They're pretty easy to beat right? because he's asleep and you can punch him right in the face. He can't do anything about it. But if he wakes up, we're all in trouble. So I guess that's where I'm at with Seattle. Two more teams, one more before we get to the Packers. We got to talk about the New Orleans Saints, basically identical to the Seattle Seahawks. However, in um, maybe slightly more understandable with the uh, Drew Brees situation, I don't know. But to start the season, 29th was their offense, 28th on defense in terms of points and points allowed. Second half of the season, they dropped to 25th on offense, but also dropped to 16 points allowed on defense. The defense is really hitting its stride, which is why I'm petrified of the Saints, because they've always been that team, at least in recent memory. Their defense is really starting to wake up, and their offense is very lethal. That's why uh, the, the Saints have always been scary. They just haven't really done that yet. The defense has awoken. Now, they've kind of normalized at 19 points a game, and again, the offense is down to 25 points a game, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that Drew Brees hasn't been around. So if we assume Drew Brees coming back means they're a 29-point-per-game team and their defense is now a 19-point-per-game team, yeah, they're scary. No question about it. Um, over the last four weeks, and again, this is this is more scary than anything, their quarterback ranks 24th. Why? Because their quarterback is Taysom Hill. Nobody else is on this list in the last four weeks. You know why? Because I have a filter on that says if you don't play an adequate number of snaps, I don't even want your data in here. No other quarterback has played enough to even be worthwhile to bring up their stats or their grade. That would be why the last four weeks they're only getting 25 points a game. And by the way, 25 points a game is enough to beat half the teams I've listed so far. So yes, I'm worried about Drew Brees coming back and this team really kicking it into high gear. At wide receiver the last four weeks, even without Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, fourth best wide receiver in football. Is that scary? Yes, it's terrifying. Do they have any other wide receivers on the roster? No, they don't. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. Only when you're the Packers does that matter. Um, At running back, uh, Alvin Kamara, basically been overrated for a very, very, very long time. Alvin Kamara was a guy that was um, pretty dominant for a small stretch and he started to fall off a couple years ago, but nobody really talks about that. And then, of course, he you know, annihilated the Packers. Everyone's like, see, Alvin Kamara, super big threat. Alvin Kamara's ranked like 50th overall right now. But Latavius Murray, 13th, adequate. He's adequate. Then at tight end, they've got Jared Cook, um, you know, not the most elite guy in the history of the universe, but still ranked 7th overall as a, uh, as a prospect. I think like 11th as a receiver, but still, you add that with everything, with with one of the best wide receivers in football, with one of the best quarterbacks in football. It's a scary offense, and again, the the, the strength of this team right now has been the defense. So yeah, I'm, I am scared of the Saints, there's no question about it. 
people that are counting out the Saints because of recent memory when Drew Brees hasn't been playing is crazy. And even if you want to count the last week when I think they rushed him back too early, first of all, he's been out with an injury. He's rushed back against arguably the best team in football, and has probably still got quite a bit of pain. Uh, You know, maybe he's going to have that the rest of the year, and we're not going to see the best version of Drew Brees. I don't know, but um, let's just, let's cool it. Um, Look at their offensive line, the the tackle duo. It's, It's right up there. It's not quite Green Bay, but um, you got James Hurst and Ryan Ramzik at 18th and 22nd. Again, doesn't sound overly impressive, but you got two guys and neither of them are bad. The guard spot isn't quite as good. 29th for Nick Easton, Cesar Ruiz, 38th overall. Ruiz, the rookie, um, ascending player. Uh, they're pretty confident in him going forward, but again, in 2020, meh. And then at center, Eric McCoy is 12th overall, another really young, talented guy. So it's it's a good offensive line. The guards are subpar. But again, take the whole thing in its full context. We've got a very talented tight end who is a good blocker, a good blocker and a good receiver. We've got a great center. We've got two great tackles. We've got adequate enough guards. We've got one of the best wide receivers in football and one of the best quarterbacks in football. And the defense is our strength right now. I mean, it's just, I'm I'm terrified. I don't know. Are they beatable? Of course they are. Anybody's beatable. But it's just, you know, the the one thing that the Saints needed was a defense to wake up. And the defense was not playing well at the start of the season, and that was a problem. And now they're awake. Maybe it's a little fluky, but I just tend to believe it because they've been trending that way for a while anyways. Um, looking at the defensive side of the ball, defensive tackles, Shai Tuttle, 21st, uh, David Onyemata, 27th, and Sheldon Rankins, 31st. No real top-end elite talent. However, three guys in the top 32. Three adequate starters. Of that group, Sheldon Rankin's the only one that's somewhat of a decent pass rusher. No sacks, but seven pressures on 76 attempts. Below 10%, but he's as close as they get. I'm sorry, I'm dumb. I can't do basic math, apparently. David Onyemata, 11 pressures on 95 attempts. So that is slightly above 10%. Uh, Shy Tuttle, nowhere near that, but he is a really solid run defender. So again, they've got the complements of two uh, decent players. Rankin's is a little bit more of the... Adequate at both. Anyamata, more of a pass rusher. Shy Tuttle, run defender. It's it's the ideal trio. Again, nobody top end, but they've got the unit. Off the edge, it's actually super, super shocking. Um, from a grade standpoint only, Marcus Davenport and Cam Jordan are, let's see, Cam Jordan is 63rd, Marcus Davenport 84th. The not super great news about that. Uh, Despite Cam Jordan not grading out well, 16 pressures on 117 attempts is fantastic. He does only have one sack. Marcus Davenport, 7 pressures on 51 attempts. That's pretty solid as well. On top of that, they also have Trey Hendrickson, who is grading out as the uh, 37th best. He has 14 pressures and 3 sacks on 87 attempts. Those are some good stats. The only reason he's not quite a bit higher, terrible run defense grade, but... um, That makes basically three really good pass rushers. And then you have Carl Granderson, who is the 15th highest graded um, edge rusher. He has seven pressures on 35 attempts. Four guys off the edge that are well above 10%. That sucks. None of them really are doing well as run defenders, but again, just strictly as pass rushers, they're all kind of killing it right now. Then you look at linebacker Demario Davis, um, veteran guy. He's been killing it, killing it. He's one of those guys that I love that he's been in the league forever. He wasn't quite that good. And then suddenly something clicked at like 30 years old and he's just a freak. He is the second highest graded linebacker in football. 
I don't understand how he does it. 90.4 overall run defense grade, 83 overall tackling grade, 82.5 coverage grade. You got to understand, there's there's one, two, three, four, five guys that are in the 70s as run defenders. There might be a couple more that are down here. Call it 10. He's got a 90.4. I don't see a single 80 outside of Deion Jones at 90.6. There's no one at 80. These two guys are in a class of their own. On top of that, he's still one of the best coverage linebackers in football. So he's a freak show. If there is a massive weakness, though, it would be the corners. Uh, Janoris Jenkins, 47th overall. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, 71st overall. Marshawn Lattimore, 100th overall. He's one of the more interesting people ever in the fact that he was one of the most highly touted corners to come out in a very long time. I mean, that was a stacked cornerback class, and he was the best of that group. I loved Marshawn Lattimore. He was my, I think my rankings were Marshawn Lattimore, then it was uh, Marlon Humphrey, and then it was Tease Tabor, who uh, was out of the league almost instantly. But I don't care. I do what I do. I like what I like. But Marshawn comes out, he's a freak in his rookie year. Second year, he comes out, he's good, but not as good as he was as a rookie. Third year, he's kind of average. And now I believe it's year four-ish, same class I think as Kevin King. He is horrific. Not, not as bad as Kevin King, but 100th out of 118. That's not good. So again, that's, fr- from our standpoint, fantastic, because that's a big weakness. you got to have at least that one lockdown corner. They don't have it. they got guys that are capable, but they're just not showing up right now. We know Janoris Jenkins has done it. We know Marshawn Lattimore has done it, but right now, these guys are not getting the job done. At safety, they do have Marcus Williams, 14th overall. After that, Malcolm Jenkins, 50th not very good. So the DBs, with the exception of Marcus Williams right now, they're going to be a killer. Um, The one saving grace, again, is that their pass rushers, although not grading out all that well, again, they're really good at getting to the quarterback, and that helps out your corners quite a bit. Couple that with an offense that's probably going to be able to score a bunch of points. Now, again, I'm, I'm giving them credit that they don't necessarily deserve. They have the pieces, and the assumption from my standpoint is once you get um, Drew Brees back, the offense is going to get right back to 30 points a game, and then some. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then all bets are off. So I guess we're kind of on Saints watch as well to see how Breeze comes back from injury and how he performs. I didn't watch the game, but I've just from what I heard, he did not look great. But that's 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 the Saints in a, in a nutshell. Like every team, basically, they've got the components to just walk right through this and win a Super Bowl. But they've also got some issues and uh, technically trending in the wrong direction. But again, that, that may be a bit of a fluke. So we got to kind of just monitor the situation. Uh, also weird, the, the grading of the pass rushers that PFF is looking at them saying they're really not playing that well. And they traditionally like them a lot, so clearly they're not playing as well as they should be. So it's it's kind of which way is it going to go? Is the offense going to get better? Is the defense going to start to regress? Kind of interesting. All right, finally, the Green Bay Packers. And again, I mentioned this on Twitter a couple days ago, but when you talk about teams that are trending in the right direction, the Packers are near the top of that list. The point is, you want your offense getting better, your defense getting better, or at the very least, there's there's an end goal, and you want to get toward that end goal. Ideally, your, your offense is scoring as many points as possible, your defense is allowing as few points as possible. To start the season, the Packers' offense was scoring 30 points a game, the defense was allowing 27 points a game. The second half of the season, 30 points a game. Defense was only allowing 23. That's a massive margin. The last four weeks of the season, the offense has scored 32 points a game. The defense has allowed 20. That is a 12-point margin. 
That's ridiculous. And again, so the offense, 31, 30, 32, very consistently at or above 30. The defense went from 27 to 23 down to 20. And again, we know that there were a couple special teams gaffes in there. So we're down below 20, technically. So, you know, we could trash the defense all we want, but it is what it is. Um, so as we look at trends, and again, some people aren't going to like it because even as fans who watch this all the time, we sometimes get things burned into our brain. But, um, you know, it is what it is. At quarterback, Aaron Rodgers is the number one quarterback right now. Again, Ryan Tannehill, number two, Baker Mayfield, number three, Matt Stafford, number four, Pat Mahomes, number five. So, you know, yeah, okay. Probably give Pat Mahomes the MVP, I guess. Cool, great, got it. Probably don't need to elaborate again. I already said he was number one. I gave you the, the, the stats, 939 for 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He is playing out of his mind. He's been fantastic down the stretch. That is probably the single most important component to winning a Super Bowl is Aaron Rodgers continuing this level of play. Like everybody, he has those days where he doesn't play super well. If he can maintain this level of play, we got a great shot. At wide receiver, Devontae Adams, as I mentioned, much lower than we're expecting at, at 20 overall. Um, as you know, Devontae is one of the most consistently dominant wide receivers in football. Unfortunately, uh, the last two weeks have not been his best. In fact, um, he had a 55.7 overall grade against Carolina. I have not seen him below 60 in a very long time. It's his first game all year. So we know that that was bad. In a way, I'm almost glad to see this because you there, there's a very high probability we are not going to see this again for another two years. So if we nearly lost to Carolina because Devontae Adams had his Haley's Comet of football games, I'm feeling relatively comfortable going forward. The other issue is, though, the week before that was a 68.8. We haven't seen him play in the 60s since week six against Tampa. So he's been in the 90s, 80s, and high 70s from week 7 through week 13, and now the last two weeks in a row, not his best. So whatever's going on up in his brain, I'm not really sure. I'm really hoping we get back to peak Devontae Adams and that this this trend doesn't continue. But, again, even with two subpar weeks, he's still the 20th highest graded uh, wide receiver, giving a little bit more context because it's the Packers. I'm sure other teams you could give some more context to as well. Alan Lazard, 43rd. So you've got your number one, you've got your number two. Again, if we're looking at trends, definitely not the best wide receiver group in football, but if we assume Devontae gets back at it, we're talking best quarterback in football and a solid number two option in Alan Lazard, it's a great group. You add in Robert Tunyon, who is uh, 15th overall as a receiver. He is uh, 17th overall, uh, overall, because his blocking isn't that good. I know a lot of people think he should be higher. Don't really care. Point is, he's he's an adequate player. Part of the issue with, with Tunyon that people tend to forget is that even though he has really, really good game, he can kind of ghost for a while, right? He's had a touchdown every week since week 11 in Indy, which is fantastic. But um, he catches roughly four or five passes a game for like 40 yards, something like that, typically. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not trying to rag on, on that. I'm just sort of trying to be objective for people that are just going to get mad that he's not the number one tight end on PFF's board here. But again, full picture, good group. Elite quarterback, good wide receivers, good tight end. The other great thing about what we've been doing is context, right? Everybody has got holes in certain places. The Packers don't really have any holes. It's just a matter of, you know, it's, it's decent to elite. So number one quarterback, decent wide receivers, and, and again, we know the, the reality of Devontae that he's going to bounce back. Um, 
quality tight end, and as I've also mentioned, number two running back in football right now. Aaron Jones is currently graded as the second highest running back in football. Just for fun, I'm going to remove this filter so that we can also acknowledge um, Mr. A.J. Dillon here. A.J. Dillon is graded as the ninth best running back in the NFL. Um, Because there is no filter, we're doing that out of 104 running backs. He is ninth. Just throwing it out there. You know, I I don't know. Maybe you're interested in that kind of information. Maybe you're not. I don't know. I I find it interesting. Then we come to the offensive line. Again, I would say probably second best tackle duo in football behind Tampa Bay. David Bakhtiari, second highest graded offensive tackle, number one pass blocker in football. Billy Turner, currently 14th, which again is a massive improvement for him. Uh, The pass blocking is still quite a bit lower than pretty much everybody in his immediate area, but um, very, very good run blocker, especially down the stretch. Uh, you know, obviously last week being an elite player really bumped up his grade, um, but kudos regardless. Guard. Um, there are better guard duos, but Elton Jenkins is 11th, Lucas Patrick is 12th. Believe it or not, that's our duo. Now, Minnesota has Brett Jones and Ezra Cleveland at 8th and 9th. Cleveland has Joel Batonio and Wyatt Teller at 2nd and 3rd, so it's not the best duo in football right now, but they're very good. And again, given the context, right? Cleveland, they had holes certain places. The Packers so far, there's no massive deficiency. Then at center, they actually don't have anybody listed because Elton Jenkins, I think they're calling a guard and everybody else that's played center, they're calling a guard. So it is what it is. But yeah, just fantastic offensive line, elite running back, elite quarterback, good wide receivers and a good tight end. That's the offense. And again, the defense is the one that's trending in the right direction. So this this is one of the better offenses just from a standpoint of there's no issues. The, the the Chiefs have some issues along their offensive line. They also have one wide receiver and nothing else. And the running back is nowhere near as good as Aaron Jones. Um, looking at the defensive line, not good. You have uh, Kenny Clark is not even listed here in the top 50. Kingsley Kiki is our highest graded defensive tackle at 45th. He does have nine pressures on 75 attempts, which is solid. Dean Lowry is 49th, nine pressures on 93 attempts, close to 10%. Um, and then as I expand this out to try to find where Kenny Clark is, Kenny Clark is slightly below that. He is graded 53rd overall, 15 pressures, 143 attempts, marginally above the uh, 10% mark. So again, I've, I've been very vocal about Kenny Clark not being satisfied with where he is. Um, again, there have been stretches down recently where it seems like he's showing signs, but um, recently, recently, that's also been not great. So very, very bad. If we're just being objective right now, really bad defensive tackles. Really bad. Well, we expect... I ex- expect what? Expect Kenny Clark to kick it in gear eventually? Starting when? I'm just... I just... It's... I don't know. Not good. Not good enough. Off the edge, if we're looking at grades, again, still not good. Zadarius is graded 46th overall. Preston is 80th, and uh, Rashawn Gary is 105th out of 112. Now, again... The pressure numbers are not bad at all. Rashawn Gary, 10 out of 98, that's 10%. He has four sacks, that's great. Preston Smith, uh, 9 out of 123 is not great, but three sacks. And then Zadarius, 16 out of 171 is below 10%, but four sacks is great. Bottom line is, though, the defensive line is going to be the undoing of this team if, if they don't pick it up. They're getting it done because they're, they're finding ways to get sacks, right? They're, they're very good at digging deep and coming up clutch when the game is on the line. 
The problem is, and everybody knows this if they're being honest, the consistency is not there. And a play-in and play-out basis, there's not consistent pressure on the quarterback. There are flashes of great plays. And then entire series where you don't see a single pass rusher do anything. That's got to change. Now, again, it's it's working. Whatever they're doing is working. But, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning because you need better than that. Um... Once you go up against teams like, oh, I don't know, the Tennessee Titans, who are the number one offense in football, as opposed to the Carolina Panthers, who have one of the worst offenses in football. At linebacker, we do have uh, some very great news. Kamal Martin is the seventh best linebacker in football recently. Chris Barnes is 71st. Christian Kirksey is 85th. If you'd like to know why I'm not as high as Chris Bar- on Chris Barnes as everybody else, this would be why. Again, he started off the first two weeks grading out really, really well. He had a great game last week. He graded out great. He's very consistently horrible with flashes of good games. And people remember the good games. They say he's very fast and all this stuff, so we need to just play him more often. I'm not on board with that. I'm all in on Kamal Martin. I know he's raw. I know the Packers have him as number three. He's not quite ready, but he has been consistently dominant every single time he's on the field. It is what it is. At corner, we've got a pretty good duo in Jair Alexander and Chandon Sullivan. Again, Jair is down to 25th. Still a good grade overall, but um, hasn't quite had those elite games recently to kind of bump him up at the top. Um, Similar to Devontae, I'm not worried about it. He's playing great football. Even statistically, we're looking at uh, he allowed one touchdown, 126 yards, but four pass breakups. Chandon Sullivan is 31st. The concerning thing here is Kevin King. I think Kevin has been doing a good job this year, but down the stretch, we're starting to I'm starting to get the feeling that old Kevin is back, and the grades reflect that. 113th out of 118 is where he ranks right now. That's not great. I mean, we're getting into teams are deliberately picking on Kevin King territory. Can't have that. Finally, some very, very, very good news, looking specifically at the safeties. We currently have... The number three and number 10 overall safeties in the NFL. Darnell Savage, third best safety the last four weeks of the season. Adrian Amos, 10th best safety in the NFL. That's some that's some beautiful stuff right there. Raven uh, Green and Will Redmond also on the list, but uh, not quite as high. Will Redmond probably going to be stepping in on, on occasion, but um, this has been a saving grace for this team. The way these two have played have legitimately been a saving grace. I mean, the... the there's a good chance if Amos wasn't on the field against Carolina, we don't win the game. His playmaking ability, running across the field, making tackles, breaking up passes has been unbelievable. Darnell Savage obviously has been breaking up absolutely everything, getting tons of interceptions. Uh, Darnell Savage is second the last four weeks in picks. Tyron Matthew has four. Darnell Savage has three. Um, only three guys have more than one interception the last four weeks. Darnell Savage, the last four I, this is unbelievable. You know what his passer rating is when targeted? passer rating when targeted. That's insane. There's uh, five guys with with a passer rating that's, well, three guys are zero. Quandre Diggs has a 4.2 and Savage has an 8.3. The next highest is a 39.6. So a steep spike after that. So, uh, you know, the offense just has pieces everywhere. And I think it's why they do so well. They, They, you know, you need guys to not start slacking off. We don't want to be Seattle. We don't want to be the team that's that's getting old and getting cold. You know, Devontae's slipping, Jair's slipping. Um, can't just can't do that again. I'm trusting that those guys. You know, it's like two bad days, and then that's it. Okay, big deal. Everybody has down game. Not worried about that. But we got to pick it up. And and there's no better time than this week against the Titans. All right, if you're sleeping a little bit on the Panthers, fine. But this is playoff football. 
Devontae, you want to prove you're the number one, this is your game. Jair, you want to prove you're the number one, this is your game. Um, if, if Zadarius and Rashawn and Preston are going to step up and be the guys they were last year and, and Rashawn wants to prove that PFF is stupid and he's not one of the worst pass rushers in the league, that he's really, really good and we're not just guys that get sacks flashily. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play a terrible game, but I'm going to have three good plays and they're all going to be sacks. I don't want that. Keep your sacks. I'd rather you have zero sacks and get just a dominant performance where you disrupt the quarterback every play. I would rather have that than five sacks. I really don't care about sacks because they're so fleeting. We're talking about guys that play 50, 50 times. There's 50 times you're going after the quarterback. I don't care about two or three sacks. Disrupt the quarterback all the time. That's the most important thing. In the run game, stop the run. Be a good football player. Defensive tackles. I mean, again, they're all flash. Everybody's flashy, right? One week, Rashawn has a great game. One week, uh, Kenny has a great game. One week, Kingsley has a great game. Last four weeks, though, is nothing. And we've all seen it. You know, you, 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 PFF is stupid. Okay, act like you haven't noticed that. Where's the pressure? Where's the pressure? How many times have you said, where's the pressure? No pressure. He's sitting there all day. That's 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 the thing with the Packers. Again, everything's there. The offense is there. The defense has been doing great from a standpoint of, of not allowing points. They're mastering the, the bend-don't-break. But, I mean, similar to what I said with the Chiefs, they're playing with fire. They're playing a little too close to the sun for my comfort. We're, we're playing this game of bend, don't break, and, and we're barely winning games, just like the Chiefs are barely winning games. And you, you got to kind of pick a lane because that ain't going to fly in the playoffs. This this kind of we're going to kind of pop it in neutral and, and coast into the, the end zone and, and finish this thing out barely with a win, that isn't going to work against the Titans or Tampa or the, the Bills or the Chiefs or the Saints. Everybody's got to give it their all right now. And again, we got some guys that are, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to throw Devontae and, and Jair in there just based on what they've done this season. Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos are coming on super strong. Kamal Martin is really showing up. I mean, there are some special things going on. This offensive line is about as good as it gets. We just need a couple other pieces to step up. If we get that defense, just, just give me the defensive line. That's that's really all we need. Kenny Clark, Zadarius, Rashawn, Preston, Kingsley, if we get three of those guys, it's game over. If we don't, I don't know. So that's it, man. It's where we're at with that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Christmas Eve. I will talk to you tomorrow for Christmas Day. I don't know what we're going to do. It'll be short and sweet, but um, talk to you then. Otherwise, have a great day. Bye-bye.